Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about, biblically, how to keep from being desensitized to the issue of abortion. It's easy to do, especially when we're facing something as horrific as abortion. So join us as we talk this through. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Um, this episode, we want to talk about how to keep from becoming desensitized to the issue of abortion. And that can happen, um, especially for us, being on the sidewalks in front of the abortion clinic, seeing women go in, seeing massive amounts of lives destroyed through abortion. It can happen for people either in a pregnancy center context where they're dealing with abortion-minded women. It can happen just in general as a society, becoming desensitized. We get desensitized to all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but we want to talk in particular about the issue of abortion because, mm-hmm. you know, we're dealing with um, an issue of, of mass violence, really. Right. And it's easy for us to lose, um, I don't know, just lose sensitivity to what's actually going on. I mean, I think in some sense... It's almost like a human mechanism where our, our sensitivities shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I share with you before we, we started this podcast as we were talking through the article that you wrote and some of the things that you wrote down that my pastor some weeks ago had, he was preaching in particular about empathy and just how we can be empathetic toward people and how we as a congregation need to be more empathetic, entering into people's suffering situations and that sort of thing. And he said we have to guard ourselves against a, a compassion fatigue. Right. Where we just get worn out and just being compassionate because we love Jesus and we love people. And so that can happen. So how do we mm-hmm. keep from that happening to us? And, and if it does happen to us, how do we will that thing back yeah. and, and yeah. be what God wants us to be for these babies, uh, for these women that we minister to in the context that God has called us right. to? Not, and not only that, but how do you um, keep from being, if, if you're so overflowing with compassion, how do you keep from destroying yourself with, yeah. with just continual despair? And how can you endure in a ministry for very long if, if there's all this yeah. sorrow? Yeah, in, yeah. You know, you? Uh, th- this ties in, I guess, in one sense. But you know, how do you keep from being taken advantage of too? Which right. you know, we won't talk much about that in this mm-hmm. podcast. We actually talked about that some weeks ago when right. we talked about enabling, you know, enabling versus, versus empowering. Right. There's two episodes yeah. there you guys need to listen to. So how do you keep from getting taken advantage of? Because, you know, we're compassionate people by mm-hmm. our nature. The Bible mm-hmm. tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, apart from Christ, we could care less. You know, if we were still in our sins and still unregenerate people, we could care less about what's right. going on. You know, when I was right. a, not born again, I could care less about the issue of abortion. I could care yeah. less, you know. I focused on myself. When yeah. you become a Christian, your heart is toward those, you know, hopefully we're becoming more and more like Jesus, and our heart is toward those whose God's, God's heart is toward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how do we keep from becoming desensitized? How do we keep from being taken advantage of? How do we keep, you know, out of this pit of despair mm-hmm. when we realize, you know, the truth of what abortion really is mm-hmm. and, and and the implications of that. Yeah, yeah. Does when the w- Bible have anything to say about it? It does, of course. <laughs> it, yeah. uh, you know, the Bible has the answer to every problem in life if you dig uh, very far. But, you know, I've been doing this, you've been doing this even longer than I have been on the front lines of an abortion center on the sidewalk. And I've been out there about six and a half years now. 
Um, really, I've I've seen it all. I'm sure yeah. as you have, we've seen some really terrible situations oh, yeah. over oh, and yeah. over again. We're out there often, many many times during the week, for many hours, and um, and you know you do start to kind of just lose some of that um, immediate sense of horror yeah. of what's happening. Yeah. I don't I don't focus on that. I personally focus on more of the positives. What's yeah. God going to do today? Yeah. How many saves? That kind of stuff. But um, but I would say that it's probably very natural to lose the truly abject horror yeah. of, of what you're facing. Yeah. Not not to lose it totally, but to be become somewhat um, desensitized yeah. Yeah. to it. Well, I, mean, I know you'll share, you know, you've shared your testimony, you yeah. know, some podcast ago in our first couple of podcasts, I shared mine, mm-hmm. you know, the first time I was standing in front of an abortion clinic, you know, I just began to weep. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, I've, you know, just thinking about it, it's been a while since standing in front of that abortion clinic that I've shed tears right. understanding what's going yeah. on inside of there. And I think there, there is a certain... I guess, for lack of a better word, maturity that we come into, because you know we can't, we can't be useful in that realm if we're going to sit out there and ball the whole time. <laughs> no, we <laughs> <You> can't, <know? laughs> right? And, but it's understandable. I mean, we've had people on the sidewalk who, and rightly so, their first time out there, they can't do anything but ball the whole time. Yeah, that, that yeah. was kind of how. And it was that's for what you. happened to me for yeah. that whole hour after I left. <laughs> and I'm so glad that that you mentioned that because I actually think that that will enter into the discussion yeah. as a as a way of preventing becoming desensitized because when you said you can't remember the last time that you actually bawled in front of the abortion center, I can remember the last time. And it was when I saw a man pulling a woman out of um, his truck. And she was screaming, no, 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 I don't want to do this. And he was pulling her out, and the policemen were standing right there and doing nothing. Yeah. And I was so outraged and so upset by what what I was watching that I started crying. Yeah. Um, and that was the last time, and that wasn't that long ago. That was a few months ago. Yeah. But something happened just a couple of days ago, not in front of the abortion center, but I was actually um, actually out of town, and I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw a video of I, my my news feed is filled with pro life stuff, yeah. um, pro life groups, videos and of babies and people babies saved, about. people arguing <laughs> about different yeah. pro life issues. But this one was of um, a video of uh, a cute little baby in the womb, bouncing around and looking mm-hmm. like he was just having so much fun. And I paused and I wanted to watch it. I wanted to see this this adorable little baby in the womb. And as I'm watching with horror. I see the baby's leg ripped off, and then he's gone. Yeah, he's ripped in. He's just sucked away in in a vacuum abortion. Yeah, and I had no idea that that was what I was going to be watching. I certainly probably wouldn't have watched it. Right. Yeah. I'm very visual, and I carry those images in my head for a long time. So, <clears throat> and I I sat there and just out loud, I started crying, and out loud said. Oh, my father, forgive us, and felt the guilt of humanity, just oppressive guilt of humanity, what we have done as a nation, just overwhelming. Um, And I thought, okay, well, what God was telling me at that moment was that one of the best antidotes to desensitized, becoming desensitized to horror, is to look at the destructive aftermath 
of evil. Yeah. And none of us want to. But um, just as when I was watching that man pulling the woman against her will out of the truck to try and abort, again, it was watching evil in action. Right, yeah. And and seeing it. So much of when yeah, we're... The at, visual of, of what's actually going on. Right. You know, we are Which visual. we don't see when we're, when we're standing in front of the building. Yeah. We see them walking in, but we're not truly seeing what happens to that baby. Right, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, there's a, a point. This was, you know, a couple of years ago <clears throat> where I realized what I just <laughs> confessed to you now um, that I, it's been a while since I've wept, you know, over what's going on inside of that mm-hmm. abortion clinic. And I was mm-hmm. at my house. My family actually was out of town. My wife had taken the kids to uh, um, on a trip with my mom. Anyway, they were out of the mm-hmm. house. I was I was at home alone. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I was just taking some time to pray and to seek the Lord. And I, and I realized, that, Lord, I haven't wept over this thing in a, in a while. Mm-hmm. I'm becoming desensitized. Lord, soften my heart. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, you know, when my my kids had went out of town, my wife and kids, they had taken, we had an abortion victim image sign in the vehicle and they'd set it in the house to mm-hmm. pack all the bags and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was a victim image mm-hmm. over there. And I was like, I need to look at this thing afresh. You know, I hold mm-hmm. up, I've, you know, held up those signs and, mm-hmm. and showed those signs. But sometimes you just, I don't know, you just kind of glaze over it or glance over right. it. And I was like, I need it. I need to look at that sign yeah. afresh. I need yeah. to take a hard look at it. And it was the baby Malachi sign, the baby right. 21 weeks. It has yeah. been murdered through abortion. And yeah. I, I looked at that sign and wept again. Yeah. And, and I think seeing, you know, getting the visual, understanding, also asking the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a mercy sometimes from God that we don't see all of the right the depths of evil that humanity has given yeah. itself to god merciful i guess mercifully blinds our eyes yeah. to that but sometimes he gives us a glance man can you imagine yeah. what god sees you know the eye right. of the lord is in every right. place can you imagine the 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 grief in the heart of god you see it all through the old testament as god grieves over his yeah. people turning away yeah it's like and he, he gives us a little bit of his heart yeah. And a little bit of the grief and lets us share in some of that. Yeah. And I think sometimes asking him to, God, help, just give me a glimpse of what you see. Don't give me the whole thing because I, I would die yeah. <laughs> under the weight of it. Yeah. Just give me a glimpse of what you see in the issue of abortion. That can be a way yeah. to really um, keep us from being desensitized. Yeah, it can. And um, the other side of that is thinking that not only does he see all of that horror that we have perpetrated on each other, but he still loves us. Yeah. He still died Amazing. for us. I yeah. mean, that's incomprehensible. And we're going to get into that. Um, I think as you're going to be talking about some things that you worked through as, as how you kind of deal yeah. with this, some key points. And um, so keep in the back of our minds, cause we are going to get into that. But the, um, the love of God is critical. Yeah. I think yeah, in absolutely. how we deal and, with and this. And that's, you know, as I was brainstorming through like some of the, you know, the Lord has really helped me because listen, I've seen people, in, you know, pro-life or, you know, anti-abortion, you know, abolitionist realms. I've seen people go off the rails. Right. And I've seen yeah. people, you know, disconnect from family and from the, almost go into like a cult sort of state of mind where abortion yeah. is all they think about. Yeah. It's all they talk about. Mm-hmm. It's all they can involve themselves in. And I'm like, the Lord has graciously helped me, I think, and my family to guard ourselves against going off the rails in this thing. Because mm-hmm. when you're involved in, in this, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, they're actually yeah. murdering kids. And so it's yeah. easy to lose your mind over this. Yeah. <laughs> and I know people that have. Mm-hmm. So what does the Lord, as I was brainstorming through, what does the Lord by his grace 
uh, put in place in my life and helped me to put in place in my life to guard against that. And one of those things is keeping the main thing the main thing. Yes. And yeah. th- that means that first and foremost, I am out there for the Lord. Right. I'm not, you know, and, and, I, and I, I might say this often, guys, you've heard me on the podcast, maybe say this often, that we're not out here even just for the babies. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to minimize that. I don't want to minimize, I don't want it all to minimize the murder of children. Right. So I'm not trying to do that. But the babies are not even our motivation, not even our mm-hmm. first motivation. Our first motivation is a love for God because mm-hmm. we can't love those babies properly and the women that we minister to and the men that we minister to unless we love God first. You know, right. the commands, the greatest commands are love the Lord your God mm-hmm. and then love your neighbor, right? right. So yeah. keeping the main thing, the, the main thing, understanding that we're out there for God first. You know, right. I, I told you before, I've said this to other folks, you know, I don't even really view myself as a pro-lifer mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I view myself as a person that loves Jesus, mm-hmm. that loves people, that just so happens to love Jesus and people in front of an abortion clinic right. by bringing the gospel to that place. Right. I'm a right. I'm a proclaimer, preacher mm-hmm. of the gospel, mm-hmm. that just so happens to do that in front of an abortion clinic. Right. That's where God has called me. That's yeah. where I am. Yeah. Again, n- not minimize. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to be trite about it, not minimizing what's going on. Yeah. But... But just understand, putting things in perspective. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that um, the Bible would support you in in that um, putting God first. So I get validated I by the Bible? So. Okay. I, do, I, I think so. I think so. You know, uh, wonders will never cease, will they? Yeah, that's um, right. But uh, um, so let's start with, with one of those verses. Okay. All right. The so, revel- so you've gone into... Really, and I like how you use this passage, but you're you're going into the Revelation, mm-hmm. and you're really talking from the perspective of Jesus talking to the church in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And if you guys read through the Revelation, I'm sure you have, um, Jesus talks to seven churches mm-hmm. in the Revelation. These are Jesus' letters, hey, to the church in Ephesus here in particular, Philippi, uh, Laodicea, and some of the other ones I forget. Right, right. But you know, write these letters, and here's Jesus telling uh, John, write this letter to mm-hmm. the church at Ephesus. Mm-hmm. And this is the church that has left its first love. So, right. So it's talking about becoming desensitized. Yeah. Becoming desensitized really to the love that they had for the Lord. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, before I start that, let me read you the definition. Let's start with definitions. That's always good, right? Yeah, it's start good with, to define let's, our let's, terms, let's I think. Let's define our terms. Desensitization. Okay. Because that's really what we're talking Don't about. Don't make me repeat that word. I won't. I, can't, I won't. I'll, 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 I will alone say that word. Desensitization. Okay, okay, here's the definition. The process which diminishes emotional responsiveness to a negative, aversive stimulus after repeated exposure to it. Okay. So I think that is very right on. For what we're talking about, we are being those of us, especially on the front lines of an abortion center, but in the pro-life movement, have repeated exposure to the horror of abortion over and over and over again. Like I said, it's all uh, most of my interactions are on Facebook are about the issue of abortion. My my work is, you know, and so it's always we're we're always you you pretty much the same. So, um, but but that that can decrease our responsiveness because it's a negative adversive stimuli and we're repeatedly exposed to it right and there are desensitization techniques that are used in psychology to help people who are paralyzed by um by fear or that averse stimuli okay um, so they're looking at desensitization 
monetization in a positive They're sense. looking at it We're as a at positive a thing. Sense. Exactly. We're saying, but becoming desensitized to adverse stimuli sometimes is a negative thing. Right, and yeah. in this case, it's a negative thing. Now, if, if we were overwhelmed by grief and crying all day long because we can't get our, our mind off of the horror of abortion, that's a problem. Yeah. Then a little bit more desensitization maybe is necessary. Yeah. But maybe. that's not what we're talking about in right. this podcast. So, um, so here is the verse from Revelation 2. Okay. It's a few verses. Um, and I, th- I think it's the first three. Uh, it's, it starts, I'm sorry, it starts in Reve- Revelation 2, and I think it's verses 1 to 3. Okay. Um, so it's to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but... I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first passage. And um, an accompanying passage that, again, talks about people's love growing cold, because that's what's being held against right. the um, the church at Ephesus, is that their love is growing cold. They've abandoned the love that they had at first. Okay, okay so in Matthew 24, verses 12 to 13, because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Yeah. So in in both those passages, God's warning his people that there is a danger in standing against unbearable evil for a long time. Yeah. Our love can grow. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, of course, there's a there's an immediate context to this passage. And I think we would all agree this this is speaking of our love for God. Mm -hmm. But remember, as I said in the beginning, we love those babies because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. So if our love grows cold, I mean, a lot of times we get desensitized to, you know, I just speak you know generally to to Christians who are maybe not involved in the abortion battle. Every Christian should be in some measure, I think, but just involving you sharing the gospel with people. Yeah. You know, we become desensitized to the lostness of humanity and mm-hmm. the fact that the majority of humanity is going to hell. Mm-hmm. How do we, you know, and, and we get desensitized to the reality of hell, that this mm-hmm. is a place of eternal separation from God. And not mm-hmm. just that, it's a place of eternal fire mm-hmm. and judgment of God. Mm-hmm. We get desensitized to that. And I think sometimes it's because our love for God grows cold. Right. You know, we get used yeah. to life the way that it is. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know, we get... I don't know, we neglect being in the Word of God, we neglect prayer, mm-hmm. and those kind of things keep, get us desensitized to the Lord, and yeah. then the natural outflow of that, we get desensitized to the world, to right. the lostness of people, we get desensitized to things like abortion. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the immediate context here is our love for God growing cold, but out of that will flow our love for our neighbors right. growing cold. Right, And And God commends the Ephesians for some good things. They toiled, right, yeah. they worked, they endured. And they didn't grow weary in the work. In that passage, he also notes that they stood up 
for the name of Jesus. Yeah. However, the love that ignited them at first has has grown cold. So their motivation that started all of this wonderful work is no longer the motivation of a passionate love for God. It has yeah. grown cold, and that's of concern. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, what what love is is the scripture referring to there? They're standing for Christ's name. Mm-hmm. They're continuing His work, but. Um, the motivation is no longer the proper motivation. Yeah. And that's what we've talked about, what we warn our our volunteers about. The motivation can't be anger yeah. at the sin that they're confronting in the world or the false prophets that they're confronting in yeah. the church or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, we, we do warn against that when we train our volunteers. Mm-hmm. You know, on our Sidewalks for Life website, we wrote, I actually wrote an article about the the proper philosophy of ministry. And I talk about this, how we have to be motivated for a love for God. Right. We can't be motivated by hatred. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to be motivated by hatred when you're dealing with mm-hmm. something like abortion, because right. it's easy to hate. And you know, we should hate abortion. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. It is a wicked thing. It kills children, you know, but it can't be our primary motivation. And we can't hate the people that are involved in it. Like, Right. You know, I know there are people that make arguments for, you know, the fact that God hates wickedness and God hates wicked people. Okay. But we're never commanded in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that hatred is a work of the flesh. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to hate people. So we can't be motivated by a hatred for abortion. We can't be motivated by hatred for the abortion industry or Planned Parenthood or abortionists or anything like that. Cannot be our motivation. As a matter of fact. We have to shun that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and we have to love these people. Mm-hmm. Now, love is not just being all flowery and nice to them. We need to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, the abortion industry, abortion workers, and all that. A love for them. One of the most hateful things you could do is withhold the truth from them. That unless they repent, they're going to end up under the judgment of God. But we have to do that out of the love of Christ that's been shed abroad in our heart, not out of hatred for what they're doing. Right. Or them. Right. And and so I think you're you're raising a really good point. I think that you're pointing out that there is um, really a symptom that yeah. emerges from us that we are becoming desensitized to our mission and to the horror of abortion. We're becoming um, callous even to it. If rather than the love of the Lord being the motivator for us, the that that motivation has shifted yeah. to hatred, hatred of the evil which we should have, but it shouldn't be the motivation right. for our ministry exactly. and um, or hatred for the people who are perpetrating this, right. this yeah. evil. That's a, a demonstration that our love for the Lord is growing cold because yeah. that should be the motivation yeah. behind And listen, it. you know, it, there's, there's an acknowledgement. You have to acknowledge that, that hatred can be a motivator for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see there's a lot of movements that, yeah. you know, maybe even <laughs> might do some good things yeah. that are still just the motivation is hatred. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as believers, we can pick up on that stuff and say, that's mm-hmm. just a stench in the nostrils of God. Yeah. What we should what we do as those who are ministers of the gospel should be done out of a love for God, and out of that will flow a love for people. You know, right. the other morning, and I think it's just like the Lord put this in my heart. I don't know, but I think it was the Lord. I don't Probably. Think it, I, Let's it certainly hope. wasn't from my flesh, uh-huh. but we were praying uh, Saturday morning. 
before we started ministry. We try to be intentional. That's one mm-hmm. of the ways we can we can just yield our day to the Lord. Before we start ministering on the sidewalk, we right. pray together as a group. Yeah. And it's like this dropped in my heart. Lord, love these babies and these women through us. Mm-hmm. We're just vessels. Mm-hmm. So put your love in us. You love them. Mm-hmm. You love them enough to tell them the truth. You love them enough for the babies to save them. Yeah. So love them through us. Mm-hmm. And that should be, I think, our, our, our modus operandi, right? Yeah. Our mode of yeah. operation. That God's love has been shed abroad in our heart, and we are yielding ourselves for him to love through us. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, that can sound kind of, you know, I guess pansy, <laughs> like as men were love through us. But no, yeah. Jesus Christ is, and on, in his earthly ministry, was one of the most loving people you ever meet. He was truthful. Right. Right? Forthright. Yeah. Didn't hold back the truth. But loving in the way that he held himself, the way that he carried himself, and the way that he ministered to other people. Yeah. And we want to be like Jesus, right? That's yeah. That's the goal. Ex- exactly. You know, even the language used can desensitize us, and even the language we use, but particularly the language of the abortion industry. Yeah. You know, um, they don't call the baby a baby. Right. They call the baby a product of conception or the one that I read on the website recently was gestation. And yeah. That's the word the as pregnancy. opposed to baby. They, they the refer pregnancy. to a baby as a pregnancy. Yeah, and th- so those stupid. are desensitizing words, which and they're purposeful. They're yeah. purposeful by the abortion well, industry course. so that the women feel that it is perfectly justified. In, they're perfectly justified in going in there. They make it easier for them to justify that. So, um, so... Even in the use of our language, I think, can be a key, a tip-off to us in whether we are becoming desensitized. Mm -hmm. If we start adopting the language of the abortion industry, maybe we've lost sight of um, the horror of abortion. Yeah, and and I know, you know, my wife works in... uh, has worked in and, and does even now work in pregnancy centers. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a temptation for a lot of pregnancy centers because yeah. you know, they want to appear to be neutral and, and not appear to be overtly Christian right. or whatever. Soften think, the message yeah, a and little. And so they might, you know, refer to the baby as a pregnancy or, or, you know, maybe even shy away from sharing the gospel mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. man, that's such a trap that we, mm-hmm. we can't fall into. We, we don't need to use the world's language. Right. Um, and, let the world define terms for us. Like it's, right. I'm sorry, it's not a pregnancy. Pregnancy is not a thing. It's a process. That's right. So a baby in the womb is not a pregnancy. It's yeah. you know fetus. Technically, it's an embryo. Yeah. It's a living entity, and mm-hmm. we need to refer to it. You know, embryo, fetus, infant. Mm-hmm. These are all you know, toddler, mm-hmm. <laughs> adolescent, teenager. All that, those are terms of of levels of development. Right. Um, and of course, we all know, right? When a woman is pregnant, and She's excited about, you know, her pregnancy, that process. Um, she knows she's going to tell everybody, I'm having a baby. Yeah. I don't carry a pregnancy. I'm having right. a baby. I'm right? not having so, a gestation. So our, yeah, I'm having I'm not, a baby. Not a gestation. <laughs> I'm not carrying a blob of tissue. Yeah. You know, she's having a baby. So, yeah, our language and we could it can help us in our minds. That, are we falling into the trap of desensitization because we're using the world's terms yeah. to refer to yeah. to these babies or, or whatever? Yeah. Well, I think I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but it bears mentioning here again um, that I had shied away from the word murder, not because I didn't believe it was murder. I did. Yeah. I do believe that that abortion is murder, but it's such a shocking word yeah and um and i didn't really want to shock women into not speaking to me yeah sure um however now i'm starting to kind of 
throw that out there sometimes. Yeah. I try to do it in a tone of kindness, compassion, and gentleness. But I, you know, I, I'll say, please, not, no mother was ever called to to murder her own child. Yeah, and that even saying that is for me an antidote to becoming desensitized because then I remind myself, this isn't just harming. I have said that before. Please don't harm your child. Yeah. This is not harming a child. It is so much more than harming a child. It is murdering a child in a very horrific way. So when I use that word, even that kind of shocks me back into the seriousness yeah, of, yeah, of absolutely. what we're facing. And, then, you know, I know there's a temptation. And there, there is a sort of a balance. And we need to, you know, of course, be before the Lord. But, you know, I don't I don't think that personally, and I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that, you know, don't murder your baby should be the first thing that a woman hears when she gets out of her car and she's walking to right, the door of an abortion right, clinic. Right. I think there's other things that would be more fitting for yeah. her to hear. We, You know, we're not in it just for the shock value. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we do need to use the language that the Bible uses. Mm-hmm. And I think when it comes to the issue of abortion, you know, I've, I've probably said it myself. I've heard others say it. You know, don't go in there. This is a terrible mistake, mm-hmm. which is true, right, right on its right. face. But yeah. it's, it's more than just a mistake. Right. Right. Abortion is more than just a mistake. Right. It's a grievous sin against your baby yeah. and against God. Yeah. I think it is possible to soften the message so much in the desire to be gentle and compassionate that the message is lost. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I think that subject might be a subject for a whole other podcast. Yeah, really, because it, the message. it's not an easy line to travel. No, um, it's, not. it's 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 much harder than you would think. Yeah. So, you know, the you always rely on the yeah, Holy because, Spirit. Yeah, because, you know, there is a trap, not rabbit trailing too much, but there yeah. is a trap mm-hmm. in just not even caring about the language, not even caring about the tone, and not mm-hmm. even caring about how you come across to the woman mm-hmm. going into the abortion clinic. And then there's a trap of caring too much, like right. so much so that I won't use the word murder, I won't use right. the word sin, right. I won't use scripture, yeah. and, you know, we don't want to fall into that trap. So it's yeah. like, you know, the Spirit of God helps keep us on this tightrope walk yeah. of, of you know truth and, and grace, and, yeah. and that's a hard thing. That, that'll probably be a, a subject for another podcast, yeah. but it, it ties into exactly what we're talking it about. It does. You know, um, the, the whole stuff with the delayed in tapes... That, yeah, that happened, yeah. um, what was Where it, 2015? Planned Parenthood selling baby parts. Right, the ba- Planned Parenthood was selling baby parts, and David delayed and went in with, I think, a team and, yeah. and exposed it through hidden hidden videos. And when those videos, I, I read an article, um, which it, it's kind of it does relate to this because the title is How Abortion Has Desensitized People by Charles Krauthammer, and he wrote that in, in 2015. But he talked about um, how when when people um, saw on these videos Dr. Deborah Nukatola, I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly, but she was the Planned Parenthood pres, uh, not not the president, but she was one of the doctors of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. And she is s- sipping... I think wine or at least water and and eating salad, talking to the David Delayden and, and discussing casually about how the fetal body can be crushed with forceps in a way that leaves valuable organs intact for sale. And she's laughing and eating the salad. And I feel I'm, I'm feeling ready to vomit. Well, I think a lot of people, were like snapped out of this lethargy surrounding yeah. abortion because the, even they, when they recognized, wow, 
this is someone who has been desensitized to the point where she's laughing about what she is describing that yeah. is barbaric yeah. Yeah. while eating salad. While we all want to barf as she's, right, uh, you yeah. know, talking about this. Yeah, and even so, people who, you know, there are those who just wrote it off and said this was just some conspiracy or something against Planned Parenthood. But there were those even in the pro-choice camp mm-hmm. that were genuinely like, disturbed over mm-hmm. that that lady's behavior and, and the behavior just in general of Planned Parenthood and so yeah. you know th- those videos did do I think a lot to right um, tear off that callus I guess yeah for society yeah and I've heard many abortion workers who have left again those are people that they have to become desensitized yeah or they can't do what they're doing that gruesome work and um one in particular i'm remembering her saying that she saw um as she's putting the baby back together again to count the parts when she saw the an eyeball a fully intact eyeball yeah, this floating is a, an abortion worker a former abortion here? worker in winston-salem okay yeah and um she was a manager in fact and and she said when she saw that um that eyeball floating in the dish, that was like the tipping point for her. That was what, again, slammed her back into this is barbaric. Right. This is gruesome. And and I think that's kind of the point that we're trying to make throughout is is there are points in where where you're facing this this adverse I'm sorry, losing my voice. Circumstances, circumstances, situations over and over and over again that you begin to lose the horror of it. And one of the things that is good to bring us back are these shocking visuals. Yeah, yeah absolutely. As, as yeah, what she know, saw, I, what I saw in the video. Right, yeah, um, and like what I you kind of described looking at that picture of the of baby Malachi right. who was murdered yeah. through abortion. You know, the, the silent scream video is one that I think everybody should watch and maybe even make yourself... It's hard to watch because it's yeah. a baby at 12 Well, tell weeks. us about that because maybe everyone yeah, doesn't know so about that's that a ba- one. I mean, listen, this was made back in, I want to say, mid-'80s. Th- yeah. And it was by Bernard Nathanson, who's mm-hmm. now went on, uh, has died, and from all indications, he's with the Lord. You know, he repented yeah. and stopped doing abortions. He did abortions at one time, but he did an ultrasound-guided abortion. Mm-hmm. This is a baby at 12 weeks. And you can see, and this is the ultrasound, like the video of the ultrasound, and he goes through and describes it. You can look on YouTube, just look up silent scream, probably have to put abortion in there or something right. in the in the search. But you can see this baby moving around, live and well, and then you can see the instrument come into the uterus, and you know, it's a suction tube, and then you see the baby trying to get away from the instrument. Yeah. And then the heart rate goes way, way up, yeah, and you can yeah. see that. And then you yeah. see the baby... You know, just just gone, and it's like, yeah. oh, this is really what we're doing. Like yeah. you know, we we we're a visual creature. God yeah. made us visual. That's mm-hmm. why when you look in the prophets, and you know, they do visual things oftentimes to yeah. show the the people of Israel, in particular, their sin and all of that. God knows we're visual creatures, and sometimes we need a visual in order to remind ourselves of what you know. There's a lot in the scriptures, visual imagery to remind us of, of the sin and, and rebellion of humanity. Yeah. A visual image will help us to remind us what abortion, like the horror of this thing, yeah. to help rip the callus off. Yeah, <laughs> like um, one I'm I'm thinking of is the, uh, the book of Hosea. Okay. And Hosea the prophet is told to go marry Gomer the prostitute. Yeah. And um, and then he's he's got a... Um, 
uh, she leaves and goes and, you know, is, is off with many men. And, and God tells Hosea, take her back. Yeah. You have to take her back. Go and get her and bring her back. And, yeah. and, I mean, it, it is such a picture of God's faithful calling us back out of sin that I think all of us can relate to poor Hosea yeah. and how horrific that must have been for him. So God does use those visuals to shock us back into the reality of the horror of yeah, sin. Yeah, absolutely. So they, there is an answer, I think, a scriptural answer based on the, the scripture that I read earlier. But before I, we get into that, you said that you had three other kind of yeah. guide, guiding yeah, principles. Yeah, these are, these are sort that, of practical principles that okay. I think the Lord has, has helped me with to keep me from being desensitized and just yeah. going crazy in my right, mind. Right, right. <laughs> because we deal with this on a regular basis. So the first one I mentioned already, to keep the main thing the main thing, God needs to be first. Our right. love for him is first, not even just our love for the babies. It's got to be God first. The second was, and these are not in any kind of order, so if right. they seem a little out yeah. of order, yeah. forgive me, but um, make an effort to talk about other things. Mm. What I mean by that is, you know, if you're in pro-life ministry or if you're, uh, you know, you're the person who always talks about the issue of abortion in your church and your circles, they're going to see you as the abortion person, like yeah. the go-to person when they have a question right. about abortion or whatever. My family and friends do. I don't mind it so much, but I do try to steer my conversations on a regular basis away from abortion and into other things like mm. Jesus and how awesome he is. Right. You know, I've even had, we have people over for, uh, for lunch or for dinner on Sundays in particular. I'm like on Sundays, we're not talking about abortion. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, we're talking about Jesus and how awesome he is. Yeah. And, you know, it might come up or something, but I don't want to talk about what's going on at the clinic. I don't want to talk about, you know, what yeah. we're dealing with, with the police opposition to yeah. what we're doing at the yeah. abortion clinic. I, I want to talk about Jesus. Yeah. I want to talk about my family. I want yeah. to, you know, so. Which relates to your first point because you're let, making the love of, of the Lord. The, yeah, the a- main absolutely. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've <laughs> even told my pastor because I've had opportunities to speak and to share. I said, man, I'll share anytime about abortion, about what we do. And they've given me a lot of opportunities to do that. And I'm so thankful. But right. I also said, hey, man, if there's any time you want me to share other things, because I right. actually, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sort of a theolo- uh, theology geek and, yeah. and church history geek. And I yeah. like some of that stuff. I'm not as knowledgeable as some, but I'm, I'm maybe more knowledgeable than others. Yeah. Um, and, and I like God's word. Yeah. And so I preach and you give me any subject, brother, I'll preach. And they've given me yeah. gracious opportunities yeah. to, to preach about other things. So anyway, make an effort to talk about other things. That's, that's sort of my second thing. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, <clears throat> is we need to be surrounded with encouragement and accountability. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, I've seen people go off the rails who are involved in, you know, fighting the abortion battle. And some folks I've seen, have gone off the rails because they've taken themselves out of the local church. They're mad mm-hmm. at the local church for not mm-hmm. doing something about abortion or, mm-hmm. or the apathy of the local church. And listen, I get it. We right. understand it. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. But God has designed the local church as a context for us to have the accountability and the encouragement that we need. We all need to be accountable to godly leadership. And right. we all need the encouragement. You encourage one another ba- daily as long mm-hmm. as it's called today, right? Mm-hmm. So we all need that encouragement. And if we don't have that, if we don't have the encouragement, you know, Proverbs 18, 1, a man that isolates himself rages against sound judgment and he seeks his own. Some of the people in my experience, which is one of the reasons why as a ministry, you can't volunteer with us unless you're a part of a local church. Some right. of the people I've seen that cause the most problems mm-hmm. have been people that are not part of a local church. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not tagging everybody with that. I don't mm-hmm. think just because you're not part of a local church, you're a horrible person. 
That's okay. not what I think. Yeah. Um, but I have had some pretty bad experiences with people who, who are not part of a local church. And I think it's yeah. a biblical principle. Yeah. Because you need that encouragement and accountability. You need people in the congregation, people that are close to you to say, hey, man, I think you're getting off the rails a little bit. Yeah, I think you're you getting either desensitized mm-hmm. or you're getting over, or, you know, because you know, maybe this podcast should be more about either being desensitized or being overly obsessed. Yeah. Because it can be a ditch on either side. Yeah, I remember you know? someone that came to visit the sidewalk once. I said, hey, I didn't recognize him at all. And I said, hey, how are you? Uh, my name's Vicky. How you doing? And he said, terrible. I, and yeah. I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Why? And he, said, and he just pointed at the abortion center. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, it is terrible. But I was just asking more kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> making conversation. Yeah, well. <laughs> And that could be because you're desensitized, or it could, it could, could be been because he was could, obsessed. He was too much <laughs> yeah. obsessed, exactly. Yeah. And, and the fourth <clears throat> point that I made, and it might even tie into a podcast we we made a couple of weeks ago, which is talking about ministering in our mess. And we talked a little bit about, you know, there could be times where we need to, need to back away from the sidewalk. Right. If you're one of our volunteers with Cities for Life, we're not talking to you. Right, no, you we, cannot we, back away. Yeah, yeah you can't, because <laughs> we need you. <laughs> no. Now, there are times, you know, Jesus in his earthly ministry, Sometimes he slipped away into the wilderness. Yeah. There are times maybe you need to take a week off mm-hmm. and, and step away mm-hmm. from ministry and, and let it be fresh to you again. Yeah. Um, it, and it's kind of a, a general principle of just, mm-hmm. you know, taking a break, shutting your mind off from the stuff. You know, I had a pastor friend of mine um, a couple of years ago when I first came on board with Cities for Life full time. Tell me, because I was coming out six days a week. Every time the abortion clinic was open every day, he actually told me, he said, man, you need to take a day to disconnect. You need to not be involved because that's, that's just too much for the for the human heart that loves yeah. God and loves people to be yeah. involved in. Every day, six days a week, you're going to go you're going to go insane. Yeah. And that was wise counsel. So I take a day of the week off and I, I, I don't come out. Yeah. Um, that one day a week to disconnect. Right. Right. Because it will make you go crazy. So sometimes yeah. it's not sin to, to take a break and, and right. step away. Yeah. Now that's something before the Lord that you need to, yeah. to seek him for wisdom for. Because yeah. we don't certainly don't want to justify because um, there's so many that are not active that need to be active. We certainly don't want to justify inactivity when it concerns the murder of children by just saying I need to take a break because right. you know, our flesh will use all kinds of excuses. Yeah. Yeah, but those are for, those are good. Those are good principles. Um, and in in the verse that I talked about, or in the passages that I talked about, God tells us, gives us His. I think um, I can interpret it as as His antidote okay. to to love growing cold or yeah. to desensitization um, to evil and and desensitized really to the primary love of God, right. which should be motivating us. So in in that line, it he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. So I want to break that down because okay. I think that there are four keys in, in how to prevent desensitization from be- right. becoming an issue. First, remember. So remember what God has done for you. Remember who you were without him. Remember those who are lost, um, they're in that same terrible place that you once were. Remember. The second thing he says is repent. Recognize as quickly as possible the hatred or the callousness that's beginning to enter your heart and ask God to remove it. I think you talked about that, that you you prayed to God to... um, to help you to to return to that yeah, that primary love, um, and and then return. Do the work God called you to do with passionate love for Him and what He accomplished in your soul as you did 
when you first knew the incredible moment of salvation. And then the the final one is that there is a reward for, okay. for all of that. If If we endure to the end, we don't give up, we don't abandon the work that God has given us, and we and we endure with that, that first passionate love for him that motivated us to do that work in the first place, we will cross the finish line and and hear those words we pray well done good and faithful servant yeah yeah so it's remember mm-hmm. repent return and reward yeah Four isn't, that, isn't that clever that is that's very <laughs> clever very clever and uh it's it's wisdom wisdom from from the, from word the of bible God. Yeah. yeah so uh I don't know. Are you ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I, th- I think we've I think that's kind a of good note to end on. What yeah, yeah. We hope this has been an encouragement to you guys. Uh, we we did do a podcast uh, months ago. I, I refer to our podcast because we do a lot of subjects, and I think they're they're really helpful. We did one about fighting discouragement. Yeah, and I think that podcast, along with this one, yeah. will be helpful. I you think know, so. And, well, and all of these podcasts are arising out of actual issues that we face or that others in in our group have faced, and, yeah. and we and we talk about them. Yeah, and we figured if if we're struggling with these issues, probably there are others. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. there are. We're getting some feedback from people who are encouraged by the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, do us a favor, guys. If you're listening, and you're encouraged, you're blessed by this podcast. Share with other people. Share on social media. Um, Leave us a review in, in your podcast app, wherever you get podcasts. We, we put, I think, most of our energy early on into the Apple podcast and, and that platform. But other people are listening on other platforms. And so share whatever platform you're listening on. And uh, and also get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Let us know, you know some ideas for podcasts that you have, some things that we can tweak, change, questions we can answer. Maybe we'll do a Q&A at some point. Mm-hmm. We get some questions from some folks who send us a, send us emails and, and say, I have this question or that question. Maybe we'll do a Q&A at that'd some point. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. So, so send us some questions, uh, and we'll try to answer those the best we can. But uh, if you need to reach out to me, um, as we always mention, uh, my Email address is dparks at citiesforlife.com. She is vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. The website that we always mention is www.sidewalks4life.com. It's a sidewalk counseling website. And then locally, charlotte.citiesforlife.org is our website here in Charlotte. But we hope you guys were blessed by this podcast and hope you're blessed as you serve the Lord and, and hope you keep from getting callous mm-hmm. to where the Lord has called you when he's called you to do. So God bless you guys. For love, give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life, but nothing's too precious since I met you.